It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson, Wilson a big play downfield, Allen tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson, oh look at the speed of Brees Hall, he's done it again, Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown, and he's sacked again by Quinton Williams, what a beast, number 95 for the Jets, listen, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to break down the all 22 of the Jets' seventh round pick, Zach Kuntz, the tight end out of Old Dominion. It's crazy because normally you wouldn't see this amount of interest in a seventh round pick, but the Jets drafted a guy who truly has the potential to be special. Now, whether or not he gets to his sky high ceiling is a whole other story. But in terms of just potential and his physical traits and ability, this guy is very interesting. And that's why Jets fans are very curious about him. And that's why they're so excited because the Jets, if we're being honest, haven't had a difference-making tight end since Mickey Schuler, And that was a long time ago. We're talking the 1980s. So to break down Zach Kuntz, his All-22, our friend who does all the film over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. The Thunder from down under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? I'm excited, Scott. This is this is a fun watch. Watching the Zach Coons tape was awesome. Number one, he's an athletic freak, but just the potential to be a cult hero for the Jets fans. Uh, Rogers had John Coon in Green Bay. He might have Zach Coons chance going around MetLife come September. So I'm excited to get into this guy. Oh, you know it's going to happen. If Zach Kuntz starts making plays at MetLife Stadium, those Kuntz chants are 100% going to be something that catches on in the stadium. People are going to be really amped. And so let's talk about why people are so excited about the ability to yell Kuntz if Zach Kuntz starts making plays and why all of a sudden there's so much interest in a seventh round pick. Zach Kuntz started out at Penn State, transferred to Old Dominion because he was behind Pat Fryermuth on the depth chart, and his offensive coordinator at Penn State got the head coach job at Old Dominion. And so Zach Kuntz went there and started to play. And there's a reason why he went in the seventh round. It's because he's kind of raw, and we're going to get to that. But the reason why people are so excited is because this guy is athletically gifted like almost nobody you've ever seen at the tight end position. He's six foot seven, 255 pounds, ran a 4.5540, which is ridiculous. And on top of that, his three cone drill is crazy. So his agility is off the charts as well. Luke, before we get into anything else, talk about how his physical traits just immediately jumped off the screen at you when you watched his all 22. Honestly, Scott, I don't think I've seen anything like it. I mean, I went through watching Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, who I absolutely loved and was a top 15 player for me in this class. But it was funny because the last player I watched at the tight end position thoroughly was Luke Musgrave. And then I watched Zach Koontz and went, why is he not better than Luke Musgrave? What does he have or not do that Luke Musgrave can do? He is the most explosive tight end to ever come out in the draft. And that's not hyperbole. He had the best relative athletic score of any tight end in the history of the drafting combine. 
if you want to go by NFL tracking and the numbers they have in analytics, he was number seven behind a guy called Vernon Davis. I'm not sure if you heard of him. He was a pretty good athlete as well. Might have played some other sports. Pretty good talent. Look, he's just got the length you talked about. He's got the catch radius that you want from the tight end position, but then you watch his route running, and that's where you see the six-eight-three cone, which is like almost elite for a wide receiver. Never mind a guy that's taller than Paris Johnson or the former, the other Jets pick, um, Joe Tipman. Like he's six foot seven. This guy is just a freak of nature, and the things he can do on a football field are special. You mentioned him being a little raw. I think a lot of it had to do with the injury as well, Scott. He only played three and a half games in two thousand and twenty-two. Had the ACL injury. Uh, but the good news is that it was early enough in the season where I think he'll be back on the field at full capacity for camping pads. Now, obviously, he ran at the combine and that kind of stuff, so we know he's healthy enough, and the dude's just a freak. Zach Kuntz, at that size, now he wasn't quite as big in high school, but still just a gigantic guy, won the Pennsylvania Class AA Championship in the 110-meter hurdle as a junior, and on top of that was a star basketball player. This is in addition to what he did at football. When you watch the tape, did his basketball background and his track background stand out to you? Because I know, for example, our friend Mason Wake, who's been on the show, who's the fullback for the BYU Cougars, he used to like to hurdle, and we asked him about that, and he said it was just something he started to do. But as a tight end, that obviously becomes very helpful, and he was a champion hurdler. So did you see any of that? Did you see something that stood out to you from his track and basketball background? Look, I didn't see him hurdling over guys a ton. That wasn't really his game. But what you did see from the track was in a straight line, he moves so quickly and in and out of his breaks too. We'll get to the route running later. But the way he eats up cushion against off coverage in man was really good. And it's ridiculous because you think this guy's not traveling that fast, but it's because his legs are extraordinarily long and he's taking ginormous strides and he takes four steps and he's eaten into your 10 yards of coverage. He's on top of you at the top of the route and he's going to explode out. You've got no idea where he's going and he's able to separate. So that's where you see the explosion from the track background. He's quick off the line of scrimmage. He would have been quick out of the blocks in the 110 hurdles. So that definitely translates. And then like a lot of these tight ends, you get him in the red zone and he definitely has the ability to go up at the catch point and make plays. Two or three examples I saw in college of him playing with extended arms in the red zone using the full seven inch, uh, sorry, seven foot wingspan that he has and uh, the ability to bring down balls. The one thing is he jumps a little bit unnecessarily sometimes, but when he needs to and he gets at full extension, you can see the basketball background pulling down those rebounds. And yeah, there were definitely the skills that translated translated well, excuse me, from being a multi-sport athlete. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, a lot of people have used the term catch radius, but I feel like sometimes it gets lost in translation what that actually means. Zach Kuntz has an incredible catch radius. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's You know what, Scott? It's the best friend of a quarterback because the NFL is already so hard. You have to be so precise. You have to find the tightest windows. But then if you're throwing the ball to a guy like, I don't know, Braxton Berrios, the margin for error is so much smaller over the middle of the field than if you throw a slightly off-target ball, but still a nice football, to Zach Koontz, because he's literally, you know, 10 inches taller. And then on top of that, his arms are an additional, you know, however long, much longer as well. So that just gives you the potential to bring in so many more balls. It makes that margin for error larger. And I guess in a, a, a baseball terminology, it inflates and enlarges the strike zone. And that's what you're after. 
if you can put a ball up at the corner of the pylon in the back of the end zone that only he can catch, you also you minimize your risk for interceptions in the red zone and turnovers and all of those things. And that's why catch radius is so important. And that's why it's coveted and the middle of the field is such a hectic area. So increasing your ability to make catches and to complete throws there is huge. And then in the red zone, again, the hardest place to fit in balls. As soon as you give your quarterback greater um, opportunity, it just helps them a lot. So that's why catch radius is important. And that's kind of the gist of what it is. You hear all the time about receivers with good ball skills, guys that can track the ball. It doesn't get talked about that much with Zach Koontz, but he's pretty good at that, isn't he? Yeah, he's got natural hands. He can be a chess catcher or a hands catcher. Um, what I, I like from a player is the ability to catch the ball at full extension, but run through that said catch point. So what I mean by that is when you get to the the jump ball and it's time to extend your arms, do you have to stop, reach, catch the ball, and then get going again? Or can you do it fluently all in one motion? He had an example against Virginia where he plucked in a ball on the sideline, flipped his hips, and tried to get some yards after catch. Big two-minute drill, end of the game. They ended up winning it on a Zach Kuntz touch and, uh, touchdown in the red zone. But he has that ability to run through the catch point. And I love that because that means you've got the trust in your hands and you've got the athleticism and your hands and your body are synced enough to then be dangerous after the catch. And it all just kind of flows and works in a perfect package. So I think he's got very natural hands. He won't be an issue as far as drops. Um, and with that catch radius, I just I just think he's got a chance to be that Mike Jacecki. He's not going to be the inline blocker, but his route running is phenomenal, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But he can just beat you in a lot of different ways, and that's huge from the tight end position. Luke, you hear a lot about how Zach Kuntz is a raw route runner, but when I watched the tape, I didn't think his route running was that bad. What did you see when you looked at it? I saw a guy who beat man coverage better than almost any tight end not named Dalton Kincaid. That's honestly what I saw. Again, I'm going to reference the Virginia game because it's one of the only ones he played last year and he was freakishly good. He caught like six balls for 100 yards and had a a game-winning touchdown. He would run straight at the man coverage, especially when it was against off coverage, and his ability to sell what he was doing at the top of the route with head fakes to stab to you know, manipulate the defender to make them open their hips and then bang, attack that leverage. He was really good at that, Scott. There were two or three instances where I went, This guy's going to torch man coverage against linebackers and safeties in the NFL. He just is. He's got ridiculous speed to go with it, eat into the cushion well. He varied his releases. Sometimes we saw that track background fired out of a cannon. And there were other instances where he was much more nuanced and he was slower in his release. And then he'd stutter step and then he'd explode out. And because he's got that incredible three cone, he'd suddenly have five yards of cushion. You're like, how did he separate that quickly when the dude is six foot seven? But he just has that unnatural, that uncanny ability and that natural, you know, God-given talent. Then when you look at the route running against zone coverage, I was super impressed as well. There were some reps from last year where he's running an over route. And for those who don't know, this is kind of why I think he gets miscast as a a raw route runner. If you're running an over route, it's not about technique. It's about can you run across the field faster than your man in man coverage? That's why you get a lot of these freak athletes at the tight end position like a Fant or a Jaseki who just get, they do that for fun. He can do that. But it's the way he was nuanced in his approach, Scott, that impressed me as a route runner. He's running an over route. It's very, very simple. He's coming across the field. But okay, we've got zone coverage. I've now got the Mike linebacker drop back in a hook zone at 15 yards depth. I'm going to take my route deeper. And I'm actually now going to attack over his head to try and drop it in before we get to the cover three safety. So then he's snapped off his route and he's given the quarterback a window. And we've got 25 yards because of the nuance and the ability to read coverage of Zach Koontz. 
And that's the stuff that doesn't go unnoticed in NFL circles. And I'm sure he would have gone 100 picks higher if he was healthy. He has that ability to read coverage. And that, for me, is route running as well. Because if you can't do that and assess quickly on the run, almost like a quarterback and see the game in that way, why do you think Julian Edelman was so good from the slot? And people might be saying, why are you using a five foot ten tight end, uh, sorry, um, wide receiver in Julian Edelman to talk about Zach Kuntz, a six foot seven tight end? Because their role is effectively the same over the middle of the field. They're seeing the same looks against zone and man. And that's why tight ends are so valuable today because they're these mismatched slot receivers. And that's exactly the role that I think Koontz is. So yeah, I think he's a good route runner. I think he's explosive. He's got good change of direction skills. We know that from the combine. And then he's also got a very good football brain. So I think that the culmination of those three skill sets are going to make him very, very dangerous. And this isn't to me, Scott, someone I'm looking at and going, uh, this is a fun watch. You know, we'll just get behind him like a Tony Adams. I think this guy could be the Jets tight end too by the end of the season. Like, I would not be shocked at all. I think he's got that skill set. And if he hits the ground running, Aaron Rodgers might find him a few times. Luke, you talked about the possibility of Zach Kuntz being used as a big slot, which is how Mike Isecki was basically used in Miami. And obviously, if Zach Kuntz could be anywhere near as good as Mike Isecki as a seventh round pick, that's a huge win. Glenn Naughton brought up the possibility of what you were talking about in terms of Zach Kuntz being used as a big slot right after day number three concluded. And I thought it was an interesting possibility. Can you dig in a little bit more about how that would work on the field for the Jets in this system? Because I want to talk a little bit later about his ideal usage and the variety of different ways he could be used. But I think having spoken about Gusecki and talking about the slot possibility, it's something we should really talk about because I think he could be really good at it. Yeah, I mean, it opens up a lot of possibilities for the Jets, Scott. You can run 22 personnel then, so that means you could have uh, Conklin in line as the, the wide tight end. And instead of having three receivers on the field, let's say Corey Davis is banged up or they're just, they're just not getting production out of McCall Hardman. So you need another threat to go with Al Lazard and to go with Garrett Wilson. You put him on the field. He's got the skill set of a wide receiver, but he gives you a little bit more blocking in space. So then he gives you that versatility to be able to flip between 11 and, and 22. Uh, sorry, not 22, sorry, and, uh, and 12 personnel. He, he's kind of that go-between and bridge between those two looks. And he has a little bit of skill set from each of those. Um, I think, yeah, Jaseki is just an easy, smart comp for me because he's a move tight end who is fluid in space, who isn't going to be a, a blocker in line, but he's just got the the fluidity to make it work and to be a wide receiver effectively in a big six foot seven frame. And and that's exciting. I think he can be utilized in the red zone. He can deploy be deployed in a ton of different ways. You could even line him up at the X and put him out there one-on-one against a safety and try and create a mismatch to the boundary. I just think... A good offensive coordinator can get the most out of a skill set like this, and I'm excited to see what Hackett can do. Luke, let's talk a little bit about his weaknesses, and one of the first things that sort of stands out to me watching his tape is that he's not really a yak guy. That's not ideal in this system, but again, you're looking at a guy who's such an athletic freak that maybe they can find a way to improve that aspect of his game, and even if they can't, if, as you said, he's being used as that big slot and just being used for his catch radius and all that, he can still make plays that result in plenty of positive gains. But like we said, this offense really values Yak, and he at this moment is not really the kind of guy that's going to provide that for you. It's funny. I think part of it is Koontz, but it's also very much the utilization and way he was deployed at Old Dominion. 
He was used as a stream uh, seam stretcher a ton to attack vertically down the field from the inside of that slot position to touch tight end. And when you get those kind of balls, Scott, you're not really going to be able to get maximized yards after catch because often you're tracking the ball, your eyes are up, you're making an over-the-shoulder catch, and then there's nothing really to do after the catch because you've got three guys draped around you trying to make the tackle who were there at the catch point. I think if he's utilized differently and you put him on more drag routes and option routes from the tight end position, he can make people miss after the catch. I'm pretty certain because I mentioned it earlier. If you can run through the catch point and if you can be fluid in getting upfield and going north-south quickly, I think you have everything you need to be a good yards after catch guy. That's why Quinton Johnson, who's got a smaller frame but still a big body receiver, is good after the catch is because he does those two things really well. So I think he definitely has the potential to be good in that area, Scott. I just think his utilization didn't help him, but he's got the change of direction skills. He's got the size. I just think he's going to need some shorter targets. I'd be interested to look at his target depth from 2022 because um, in the Virginia game, it was very deep and that kind of minimizes yards after catch. As far as other weaknesses, um, especially in the passing game. I mentioned a little bit his ability or his propensity, I should say, to want to leave his feet. And that doesn't really fly in the NFL. There were a few times where he definitely didn't need to jump for the ball, but he kind of jumped and cradled it in in the red zone. That won't play. That'll be broken up pretty quickly. He needs to utilize those arms like he did fantastically on some of them. But it was just a little bit inconsistent. And he needs to keep his feet as much as he can and not risk going off the ground when there's no need to, to jump up. He's a six foot um, seven dude. He just, just doesn't need to too much. They're kind of the two weaknesses I saw in the in the passing game. But yeah, the yards after catch, I think there's potential there. I think it's just how he's utilized. One of the other weaknesses, at least as of now, and maybe this can be improved, is Zach Kuntz is not much of a blocker, right? He's not. Look, I mean, he's a guy who's like, you know what? You're asking me to block. I'll go and do it. Sure thing. I'm happy to do it. But you just know that he's never going to excel in that area. If he's coming across in like a sift motion, for example, which is when you come behind the line of scrimmage as a bit of a lead blocker on a counter or something like that, he'll come in and he'll kind of shoulder charge you is the best way I can put it. He'll just kind of run into you and try and move you, but he's not going to get those hands and sustain the block and get his lower base working through it. A guy like Sam Laporta showed me he could do a little bit of that, even though he was raw as a blocker. I looked at him and went, I can see you being better in space. I'm not saying he's George Kittle, but he could do that. I don't see that ability there for Zach Koontz. I just think he's going to be someone who gives you a bigger body on the perimeter when you're doing some pin pull looks or when you're doing, I don't know, a, a jet sweep or a screen. He can be that big body blocking in front of that. You don't want him to be on the line of scrimmage as a Y attached and say, you're going to combo block and get to the second level and flip your hips in space and stay sustained and attached to the block and march that linebacker down the field so we can get a good line for one of our, a good lane, sorry, for one of our running backs. That's not the kind of guy he is. I don't think he'll ever have that potential, but that's okay because you can profile him to a Corey Davis, someone who's good at run blocking in space. Compare him to a wide receiver almost. That's kind of what you have to do with Zach Koontz because even though he's going to be playing tight end, his role will be more of a slot big wide receiver. That's just how it's going to be. So that's kind of where my expectation is for him as a blocker. He's never going to be, you know, that wide tight end. It's just not in his nature. Luke, anything else worth mentioning about Zach Koontz that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, a little bit of a trend from Joe Douglas. As I said, took another guy coming off an injury, same with Carter Warren. And I think there were either three or four guys, Scott, that coming into week one of 2023 will be 24 years old. This was a very buck-the-trend draft for Joe Douglas. He drafted a lot of older athletes. We saw Jermaine Johnson kind of as an outlier last year. Zach Koontz is going to be 24 for opening day this year. So he's a guy who, if he makes the roster, 
he should be able to contribute pretty quickly if he's healthy because he's pretty seasoned. As you mentioned, he came across from Penn State, has had some pretty good coaching um, across the um, across the two schools he went to in college. So there's an opportunity for him to to be an immediate impact player, to carve out a very specific role, and that's exciting for me because, as someone said, imagine if you get in the field and you've got Garrett Wilson in the red zone with the best route-running ability nearly in the NFL, and then across from him you've got Alan Lazard and you've got Corey Davis and then you've got Zach Koontz. They are three enormous bodies with an elite route runner, and that's about as exciting as it gets. So I just think the package is great. I'm excited to see if he can really forge out a role, and I just I just think the fans are going to love this guy. Luke, let's talk pro comparison. Mike Gusecki's the obvious one. Anybody else that you think he's similar to? Yeah, I, I guess you could look at a guy like Noah Fant. He was a first-round pick coming out of Iowa, but wasn't at all the traditional Iowa tight end. You look at a guy like George Kittle or some of these kind of bulkier, versatile tight ends that have come out of there. They're just a factory that pumps them out. Fant was very much more a uh, move tight end in that TJ. Was he in TJ Hawkinson's class? No, he came out after that, I think. But um, very good seam stretcher. Really struggled to say that. But he can definitely attack you vertically down the field like we saw with the usage um, from Kuntz at Old Dominion. So he has that ability. Uh, He's got a good catch radius. So I think somewhere between Jasicki and Fant kind of makes the most sense when you're comparing him to to these guys. He's not going to be a Mark Andrews um, or a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. He's just a bit of a different mover, but he's still got a really unique skill set, and I think that's going to play really well if he maximizes it and if the Jets get the most out of him. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the All-22 of the Jets' newest tight end, their seventh-round pick out of Old Dominion, Zach Kuntz. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your full video breakdown, it's up at youtube.com slash playlikeajet. What else are people going to see when they go over there? And what's in our store over at tpublic.com? Yeah, the tpublic stuff is really cool. Um, You've got the Play Like a Jet logo merch. You can put it on jumpers, hats, phone cases, laptops, anything you want. You can make stickers. So make sure you check us out over at TeePublic. We've got some player merch like the Quinn and Williams Bless You Thank You range. If you're a Zach Wilson believer and you think he's going to come back and be the savior after Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, hey, maybe you want to get a Zach the Ripper shirt as well. So plenty of new stuff will be coming on the horizon as well. We'll make some fun products. Um, And then over at the YouTube channel, we're killing it over there at the moment. We've got film breakdowns. They last kind of 10 minutes. Uh, It's a bite-sized piece of content. This is who the draft pick is. So we've already got videos up on Zach Koontz, who we talked about today. We've got one up on Joe Tipman, another one on Will McDonald, and there's going to be ones on the rest of the draft class, Aaron Rodgers, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you're heading over year-round content about the Jets, about draft picks, young players on this roster, and I'm excited to get into the season. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store, tpublic.com, that's teepublic.com, and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes along with help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.